Welcome back to May Contain Violence. I'm your host, David. And I'm Mallory. And uh, we are covering Toronto After Dark Film Festival. And this is the second feature we are covering. Um, this is Postmortem. Yes. I hope you listen to... Your cat is grabbing my butt right now. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. And he's like, I, am, I do not care. I grab everyone's butt. I am an equal opportunist. Oh, man. Uh, this cat is adorable. This little tuxedo cat here. Yeah. He's my sweet boy. He's four months old. Full of energy. Ready to get into trouble. Starting his climbing phase. Yeah, that's going to be fun. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so we are going to be covering the film Postmortem uh, from Hungary. Yes. Uh, which we watched last night. Yeah. So uh, I'll read the synopsis and then we'll uh, take off from there. Yeah. Countless ghosts have been stuck in our world as a result of the destruction caused by World War One and the Spanish flu epidemic. Thomas, the wandering post-mortem photographer, gets to a haunted village after meeting a 10-year-old orphan girl, Anna, during the freezing winter of 1918. Post-World War I. After experiencing the strange supernatural phenomena, he decides to investigate the intentions of the ghosts. Anna accompanies Thomas' exploration through all its dangers, while the ghosts rave with fury. Yes. So, uh, what is a postmortem photographer? <laughs> well, it was. It's certain parts of the world. It's still the rage. Um, I know if you've ever seen a little documentary show called uh, Dark Tourist, uh, hosted by David Ferrier, who's a journalist out of New Zealand. There's a part of Indonesia. A village in Indonesia where they dig up their dead, I think once a year or once every few years. Right. Um, and basically pay homage to their dead relative and they take photos with them and they give them offerings. It's kind of an Indonesian version of Day of the Dead, but they actually dig up their dead okay. as opposed to just going to their like grave sites and right. seeing candles and having an altar and the whole jazz. Um, but it was all the rage back in the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s, where people would take pictures with their dead relatives either immediately after they've mm-hmm. died or maybe a few weeks, like a few weeks or days later. I guess it would depend on the climate. Yeah. Well, um, in, in Hungary, the, in this movie, it's dead of winter. It's dead of winter, yeah. So. And they actually can't bury their dead because the, the ground is frozen. Um, and so the town is kind of uh, stockpiling their dead yeah. who were who died either from the Spanish flu or they uh, died of wounds uh, by in in the war. Yeah. Um, although the, in this village it was mainly the, it was the Spanish flu. Yeah. And um, or so that we think. Right. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, it right away you can tell this was a fairly. Uh, well-budgeted film it, uh, it was good film stock yeah. uh, it was play- the director um, sorry, I'll, I'll look up his name in a second here uh, was uh, very confident he used a lot of 
different establishing shots, yeah, close up great shots, tracking shots mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, I thought our two leads were uh, very well cast. Yeah. Uh, the, the little girl Anna and uh, Thomas, the uh, photographer. Um, and uh, a, a kind of an eccentric, uh, eclectic group of townspeople. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind you of got your babushkas. And- your superstitious lot. And, mm-hmm. um, You're like, mm, we're not superstitious, but we've seen some damn things. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> yeah. And oh, I don't have the name of the woman uh, who he first boarded with. Uh, Marta. Marta. Well, yeah. Her name is Marta. Okay. Um, she was interesting. She yeah. was. She she was a standout. She kind of just called out um, the how things were, the way she saw it. She was yeah. very blunt. Yeah. But that might be the German. That might be because I don't know if you've ever like. I mean, your parents were German. Like, yeah. Are they very? Were they very like straightforward and blunt? Um, they were. No, not really. Oh, okay. No. I don't know. I, my experience is like, one that sticks out in my mind was uh, a woman I met on the subway in New York. Mm-hmm. I had a map. I bought a map of like certain sites that like I wanted to go see. And she goes, you know, you didn't have to buy it. They're for free. And I was like, <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate your unsolicited advice. <laughs> but yeah. Um, it's it's interesting. Like I mean, I liked her. She was no nonsense. She was she was telling it like it is. Yeah, and and she uh, had a much bigger role later on in the film. She kind of disappeared in the middle, yeah, and then came back stronger at the end. Um, yeah. But yeah, I enjoyed her performance. Um, <laughs> she she seemed like a character who's seen some shit. Um, oh yeah. Who you know had you know. Survived the war. Yeah, she's seen some stuff, but survived the pandemic, the uh, the Spanish flu, Um, which is kind of poignant right now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, so the director was Peter Burgundy. Oh, Peter Burgundy. Oh yeah, and his little intro at the beginning of the movie was uh, before the movie was quite funny. Um, Oh, I enjoyed it. Like his little like brief like chat going into the, and all, all of the just to preface this all of the movies at Toronto all the main features have an intro from the director and they always oh. have <laughs> yeah that was that was kind of fun that was cute he, <laughs> tongue in cheek yeah it was tongue in cheek for sure it was it was well done <laughs> we laughed <laughs> and I think that was the reaction he wanted to get so um, but yeah I, I it was it was good like yeah, it was a long feature. Yeah. Uh, it ran uh, two hours. Just under two hours. Yeah, just just under two hours. Um, any... So I thought it could have did with maybe a pass over on the editing. Yeah, absolutely. There were some... I think there were some moments that just didn't tie in without a little bit more context. Maybe things that were left out on the cutting room floor should have been left in yeah i mean that's that's a speculation yeah but we're we don't know 
No, we don't. Um, it, I think this would have been a tighter 90-minute movie. Yeah. Um, there was some really good ideas. Uh, there was yeah. some things with they did with the dead here that <laughs> I hadn't seen before. It was very imaginative. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. It, it brought the uh, scares at my... At good points, too. Like Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I, I really didn't expect. Absolutely. Um, and a lot of it took... Like, I mean, a lot of it pl- took place in daytime. A lot of situations. it took place in daytime. Yeah, ex- except for the first uh, the first night encounter. Um, yeah. But and that was getting weird, too. There was, yeah. like, strange, like, strange things happening in the house. But, like, really strange things happening in the house. Yeah. Um, disappearing objects and and, and mm-hmm. whatnot uh so I, I wasn't quite sure if this was going to be a ghost story or some sort of some something else mm-hmm. like like uh with with dimensions or or, yeah. or i wasn't quite sure where it was going i think that's where it kind of i think maybe that would have been worth some tightening just a smidgel or maybe focus on the post-mortem photography of it all because that was an interesting aspect yeah that would that i I found myself uh, really intrigued by the uh i just think it was the fact that it was such a craze back in that period to me i i don't know if you ever saw haunting in connecticut the movie but not the the actual like i don't like the actual film um part of that movie involves dead photography also um the most recent uh annabelle movie also involves some dead photography as well um which you know it's unnerving to me and i think it's just it's fascinating to me that it it was all the rage (laughs) at that period so why was it like the family just wanted one last picture yeah i believe so and i mean it involved all ages i mean involved babies children yeah there there were some children that he took place of teenagers um mothers fathers grandparents aunts uncles like all ages were involved in dead photography and sometimes entire families yeah which is nuts (laughs) yeah yeah it was uh it was definitely creepifying yeah um and then, and then you have this these these restless ghosts on top of that who are actively interacting with the the, the people, and yeah. sometimes in broad daylight. And yeah. uh, that was unnerving. That for one me. scene with the dog. Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? Um, so when Anna approaches Thomas, who at that point was kind of touring with a affair, affair, yeah. Um, doing these uh, photog- uh, uh, yeah, photography sessions. sessions. He, um, she said, you know, we have lots of dead in our village. Yeah. And uh, Intriguing. Intriguing yeah. to a dead photographer. Yeah. And so he goes and investigates it and realizes that this, this village is very active with spirits. Yes. And uh, people seem to know it, although it starts to really get to its head uh the longer he stays there and the longer yeah. he tries to find out why they're like this yeah and the connections between p- 
people with near-death experiences like he had in the war. Uh, yeah. He almost died. He was actually thrown onto the pile of bodies in a dugout pit because they yeah. thought he was dead yeah. until he uh, started moving. And... Well, you know what would have been a fun little... like I mean, I'm not saying that they had to add this, but with death bells, like like especially during the period of the Spanish flu, there were many people... Like, I'm not saying it was a ton of people, but there were many people that were buried alive, and they used to, like, install bells on the tombstone and leave the cord into the coffin. That happened during the Black Plague as well. Yeah. Yeah. And where they would ring the bell if they were still alive so that they could potentially avoid any uh, any wrongful burials. (laughs) Yeah, mistaken burials. Mistaken burials. I mean, people I'm, and fevers with the Spanish flu were very similar to COVID, were extremely high that people would pass out from these fevers and, and give off an almost death-like sleep. Oh, yeah, like a comatose yeah. state. Yeah. Um, and for those of us who have ever been really sick know what it's like when you fall asleep. It's almost like you are the dead. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to sleep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what's your overall impressions with it? I think it was good. It was a solid entry. Um, it was a little long. I mean, for two hours, it didn't... The tone... It's not that there was any tonal shift. But the change in pitch would have been good, like a cl- an actual climax, like an actual defined climax would have been helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the only thing I would say, like, in terms of storytelling, like, and there were many ideas thrown around into the pot. They they probably could have it summed it up into one idea. Yeah, to I, carry I, through. I thought it could have, um, I, w- I was... The trailer kind of sold something different. That's the thing. Yeah, it, it it was sold more of a of a of a thriller. This it was more of an investigation, I would say. Yeah. Uh, with some spooky things thrown in there as well. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't clearly defined why they were being why they were disturbed until yeah. the end, and even then, I was. It wasn't hazy. clear. Yeah. Yeah. A clear example as to why. Um, you know, yeah, again, it was, it was, yeah, it was good. I, I wouldn't like, honestly, it was, it was worth watching. Absolutely worth watching. Yeah. Yeah. But even though, like, I mean, we kind of agreed on the length. It felt a little long Mm -hmm. without a clear, like, even I said, I was like, is this the end? Is this where it's going to end? Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was a, it was a good two hour movie. I think it would probably be a great hour and a half hour and a half hour 40 minutes yeah yeah, uh film um but no i i i I still enjoyed it i'm glad i watched it Mm -hmm. and i think it is worth uh your time yeah absolutely um all right uh got anything left to say about it Mm, also the score the the use of music the use of sound again in this movie was fantastic like I mean, the the score in this movie was did a really add it to that tension because it was a slow burn. This movie was definitely a slow burn. Yeah, that's why it does feel a little long. Because I mean, any slow burn movie that you watch, it definitely um, it does feel a little long if it's you know in a sense. But 
Yeah, the mute, the score, and the use of sound really added to that tension, like that bass tension that we were, you know. And the screams were fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, although I wanted to slap a woman in the face a little bit because I was like, okay, calm down, calm down, <laughs> Sarah, calm down. <laughs> um, yeah, and there, there was some pretty horrifying aspects to it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that made you go whoa. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't the, the a certain tableau that was created. Um, yeah, really was like <laughs> okay. Didn't yeah. So like I said, it, it brought some new aspects to yeah. the the haunted village uh, idea. Uh, idea. Yeah. Uh, and I I did appreciate that. Um, great costuming. Yeah. Uh, you really felt transported to that time period. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I said before, I really enjoyed the two actors. The, the little girl especially was... Stand out. She, yeah, she she was kind of acting beyond her years. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Uh, well, that's that. And uh, we'll be coming back at you very soon with another review. Stay tuned. And, uh, once again, I'm David... And I'm Mallory. And this is May Contain Violence. And we will see you soon. Intro and outro music by Greg Hatton.